At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just what. a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we said probably 150, mid-150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine-pointer. Here, here steps out this 90-inch eight-pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90-inch eight-pointer. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like And he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He, he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been, had a buck down at 1.40 in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 2.45, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. We come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure, super special meat. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and this week we're going to talk about Whitetail. I bet you guessed it. <laughs> we got Johnny Stewart on tonight, and we're talking getting ready for the rut. It seems like a long ways away, but the months are just blowing by, guys. Um, Johnny, he runs a construction company, doesn't get to hunt a lot in October, so we're talking about what he's doing now to get ready for the rut, what he's doing in October. Um, and the guy's just a wealth of knowledge, been hunting so long, um, super successful year after year, putting other people on deer, um, killing deer himself, hunting multiple different states. So it's really awesome just to have him come on the podcast and just let him rip and just talk about whitetail. A lot of good analogies in this, a lot of good one-liner tips, you know, um, that really could set in and, and change the way someone hunts this season. So I'm excited to get in this episode. First, we're going to get into the people that make this possible. We're going to get off the show you have Last Breath TV, homie. Yeah. Uh, 
season is getting ready to drop on their YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. We got 14 episodes going to be coming out. So very pumped for that. And don't forget, if you want to watch this podcast, you can also do that on their YouTube channel. It'll be rolling out here shortly, a few days after we release here on Prime Rib Day. So yeah. um, you, you can see all my workout stuff. Looks like we got a sex <laughs> swing in the background <laughs> hanging right there. <laughs> it's actually just our cable rope and some, it's my makeshift weighted pull-up thing that's what it looks, it looks like a sex swing in the background <laughs> looks, not looks sweet just so the people on zoom know <laughs> all right let's say tuesday at uh 8 17 yeah. all right friday night at 8 17 need out here trying that thing yeah, out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put all the right, kids to bed and let's right, get babe, it in. i got this setup going on <laughs> i got two screws seems solid <laughs> two inch and a half screws yeah 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 seems solid we're gonna try it out all right anyway uh let's get in the trail cam tip of the week from exodus trail cams um I just want to go over a list. We've been getting messages about trail cams and why they aren't working. I actually did a TikTok about it. I had a couple of text messages. Um, go through and just check your basic stuff because these trail cameras, that is most of the time what the problem is. It's your batteries. You could buy that pack of batteries, and there could literally be one battery in that pack. That is bad. And you put all those batteries in there, and you're like, oh, trail camera's shit. Mm-hmm. But really, you got brand new batteries out of the pack, but one of them are bad. And you put that trail cam in the corner and no, don't think it works, but in reality, it's just not that bad. So a $3 battery tester will fix that. Um, formatting your SD cards, super simple fix. Um, locking the SD card, I've done that in the past. Um, some of the trail cams are making it where you can't insert them when they're locked now. I think that would be cool if they could figure out some way where it would pop up, like lock card or something. Mm-hmm. But if you put that card in there, it's going to say, oh, you're good, dude, but it's not going to let you write any of those files down um formatting your cameras that's something we had to update the not format and firmware new firmware on your cameras that's something we had to do with um and another thing that i had problems with the tascos was the the connector remember i had the corrosion on the um, connectors where the batteries were on the top yep and i had to wire brush that and get that fixed we had to swap out that tray yeah we had to swap out that tray so so the camera won't turn on batteries are good everything's good check that the the two connection points some of them are two some of them are four check those connection points on your battery tray make sure those are good that's something that's easily overplaced and you throw away you know a couple hundred dollar trail camera 80 dollar trail camera 30 dollar tasco whatever it is Mm -hmm. it's still you can get it out in the woods but yeah the pile over there looks like <laughs> it's not getting really any good. smaller yeah. yet <laughs> yeah but uh yeah th- those are just some simple tips you guys can do to to try to make sure that you know you're you're getting everything out of your trail camera and uh you're not getting frustrated because there's nothing worse than turning your trail cam you're going to go take it out there and the shit ain't working so yeah. there's some simple yeah. fixes for you so uh i was actually just talking to jake last night about that we recorded a podcast for trail cam radio talking about um increasing the fleet of your cameras so going from you know nine cameras that we had four years ago all the way up to 30 plus that we're running now so uh good conversation with him and yeah. it's always a good podcast i on, had some uh, shit come trail up cam radio literally shit <laughs> literal, <laughs> literal literal shit <laughs> um if homie hasn't said it on this podcast i have the junkest stomach in the game guys God. my gut is terrible the first 30 minutes in the tree stand in the morning is a battle of if i'm gonna shit my pants or shoot a deer (laughs) (laughs) and it's literally like (laughs) it's on the edge every time so so guy uh, shoots a deer quick as shit out there yeah yeah i'm either shooting it four minutes into shooting light or i'm shitting my pants four (laughs) minutes one or the other but anyways um homie crush that uh episode if you want to go check it out um just get a little more intel on uh on the trail cam game that we're running and what we've learned over the, the years doing it. So we got anything else? No, that's it, man. All right, let's get into the show. All right. We got John Stewart, Stewart on the, <laughs> and you said I would nail I know, it. Yeah. yeah. We got John yeah. Stewart. You, you, you psyched me out, man. Did. We got him on the zoom video. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, spend some time with us. Excited to pick your brain about, um, you know, what the rut and what you can do in October to prepare for the rut. Um, you know, right now it's still the summer or whatever, but we were just talking before this. It's it's whitetail time, and um, this is a time that you want to be thinking about what you're going to do in the rut, planning your vacation for the rut, you know, and we got cams hung right now for late October and November. Like, we're like, this cam, we walked in there, and we were like, this place looks like oh. shit right now. <laughs> Compared to what it was when we were hunting there yeah. early November, it was like 
we weren't even in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> homie was like, is this the right spot? I'm, I'm like, like, yeah, there's man. the tree right there. This is where we had the cam. It just, and and it, there's no there's no deer there right now. It's yeah. crazy. So, yeah, we run, we run in the mobile cam, and there's like does and maybe a fawn every now and then. And then October, November, it's on fire. It's just crazy how stuff switches like that. But um, just for our mm. listeners, give a quick introduction of who you are and kind of your track record and what you do. Oh, yeah. Um, big in the whitetail hunting, bow hunting. I'm 42. I grew up hunting, you know, um, bow um, gun hunting first, 12 years old. I live in southwest Pennsylvania, just below Pittsburgh. Um, kind of um, hunted just around this area as I was younger, like, kind of broken up farm country, some old strip minus and that, whatever. But um, I was just always fascinated about the deer Um and whitetail hunting, deer hunting, but you know, younger I did, I was into squirrel hunting. I used to do all that and fishing, but I kind of, as older I got, um, I got further away from that and just kept studying the whitetails. But um, you know, got into bow hunting more around 14, 15 years old, and you know, I was hooked. And, and it took me a few years to actually tag a deer with my bow. I think I was probably 17, and it was just like, you know, and it's a mental game. And at that point in my life, it was like, you know, I had some misses, and I remember man pulling my bow back and my arrow shaking my aluminum arrow hitting the rest making noise I'll, you know i you did, it's just you know the adrenaline's there and, and that's what it's all about but yeah it's kind of um finally got my deer you know a buck with a bow around 17 and um you know that kind of helped my confidence you know always you know when you get a deer or shoot a few deer and have success it kind of confidence booster but um yeah just kind of really dove into white tails and started you know into my 20s traveling to other states um not so you know not strictly public land like i am now but um traveled to other states maybe knocked on doors but did some public land and um i shot my uh you know in, in my early 20s i shot a big buck around where i live and, and you know people around here saw oh, you're, you're just a fluke you know that was luck you know but i studied that deer and then i next year i shot another good one and there wasn't many good deer in the area where I live, like 120 was big. And, and so that's what, um, I thought was a big buck, you know, a lot of yearlings, two year olds and, and anything over that was just like, wow, you know, but, um, so yeah, I just got, um, into bigger white tails. The more that the more deer I've shot, you know, I just kind of started, you know, focusing on the mature white tails cause they are a different, almost a different species, you know, to say, but, um, you know, in through my 20s um, and then into my 30s, I kind of strictly went to public land hunting, probably mid 30s, I'd say early to mid 30s. So pretty strict on just public land, probably the last, I guess, 10 years, roughly um, different states. Um, usually hunt three to five states a year, you know, in the last few years with my uh, occupation, I have an exca excavation business. I haven't been able to do it like I in my early 30s and that but I still get out there and, and I've spent enough time that I got the knowledge that um, um, to help me when I don't have as much time but yeah so pretty much public land deer hunter um, just I like the challenge of hunting public land to me it's 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 way different like I categorize it just you know a lot of people do private and public you know and to me it's you know if you shoot a deer on public land because um, to me, a hundred percent fair chase, as some people say, was like to me. I look at it as a hundred percent of the people are allowed to go after that animal. You know, where yeah, on private land. I'm not saying I'm not putting anything like that's my choice. To me, that's the most challenging thing out there is to hunt a deer that everybody else is going after, and you don't can't just read the sign and know what the pressure is. Um, I mean, you like on private land, you could just read sign and hunt according. But when you're on public ground, you don't, you know, you got that other unknown variable, which is the pressure that people put on the animal and how it affects them, which really does affect them. And um, you have to deal with that and learn that it's not just about reading sign. I feel like it's it's um, knowing where how the, they're affected by the people out there hunting, even you yourself, you know, getting in there and putting pressure on them and know how they react. And and um, so, yeah, I um pretty much a public land deer hunter and like i said uh hunting different states and like i and i don't i live where i live near pittsburgh so most of the states and i'm like a lot of other guys i gotta travel you know two to three hours and 
and yeah, I do hunt in PA, uh, but it's three hours, two to three hours north. Um, and I, some people will message me, oh man, it's really nice, nice to have, you know, bucks there in PA. I'm like, Hey, I got to drive, drive three hours to hunt, you know, and, and, you know, it's how bad do you want it? You know, um, I'll drive to Iowa for 12 hours to put a couple cameras out and drive home. You know, it's like, Hey, somewhere within 10 hours of you, you're going to find a good deer. And if that's what you got to do to make it happen, you just do whatever it takes. How bad, you know, it's like anything in life. You want it. Do you want to get out there? And, you know, he was like, man, you drive 12 hours. I said, yeah, I'll drive 12 hours and, and put cameras out for a day and turn around and drive home. No big deal. But I want to know what's going on. You know, since it's so far away, that's your best bet is to hang cameras. You know, and we rely on cameras a lot these days. Yeah. And, and they're, they're a great tool, you know. Yeah, that's one of the so, reasons I wanted to have you on. I want to touch a couple of things. That we, we were mostly private. I had done some public, and then we switched the last few years to a lot more public. And you had mentioned, you know, the hot sign. And that's something that we've never discussed on here with public guys. You know, someone that's just starting, that is something you need to think about. When you find all this sign and you're walking, someone probably, someone else probably knows that sign's there too. That spot could have been hunted 10 times already, and you have no yeah. idea but like you said, on private ground, when we see hot sign, like when our scrape trees fired up, we know no one's been in that spot, mm-hmm. you know, because we yeah. haven't hunted. But just like that sign we found last year, mm-hmm. we were on the fence like, man, this is kind of right where a lot of people would be and see, you know, because we knew there's hunters in the around the area close. Like, should we set up on this or not? But it was so, like, in your face. I just felt like people were there. People were on that sign. But... That, like you said, that's something that we had never stated on here. So someone that's, you know, getting into public and you find that hot sign that people think about, like you said, you also got to think about, you know, is there other people hunting this? Is there stands close by? Do other people know about this sign? Or is it like the last two days you're the first person in there and you found it? So I thought that was just something good to bring up. But the reason I had you on is because I like, I really like your Instagram, you know, in your trail cam pics. You're sharing different states, a lot of bucks. Um, and you're kind of breaking down the deer, you know, like a lot of them, you know, it's hot, they're nocturnal, you know, I, I like that kind of stuff, that information, because um, I like to feed back to what I'm seeing also, and a lot of people won't share trail cam pictures, you know, and I, I get it, that's that's fine, that's their thing, but it's valuable, even if it's a trail cam picture from four years ago, and you can just say something about that buck and mention a little bit, it's valuable to guys like me that read that post and go, Oh yeah, okay, that that worked out, or you know, oh yeah, it was hot, and he's getting all nighttime mm-hmm. picks too, or yeah. you know, we we tried to do last year, we tried to do the moon phase, and if it had any correlation with anything on cam, and we were watching a bunch of people, and they were saying stuff, and we weren't seeing anything that was remotely close yeah. to what they had going on, so it's cool to be yeah. able to connect um, with people that do share that kind of stuff. So if you guys aren't following his Instagram, follow it. Um, I know that you you're. Uh, you were hunting and your buddy shot a really nice buck during was during rifle season they put out a video on that um that was oh, pretty yeah, sweet no, yeah. yeah that was pretty sweet deer and you had some trail cam pictures of that deer didn't you or some trail cam video I'm of doing, him i followed that deer for three or four years um and actually there was like a i got a so that was this 2020 season but in 2019 i had a trail pic cam picture of him and i posted you can look on instagram i after Bo shot his deer went back and and then my caption was like um i know where this deer lives i just need someone to post and i'll push it to him you know yeah, like yeah. fast forward a year i took Bo in there you know and people were like man aren't you mad that he shot your deer it's like it's not my deer i don't got my yeah. name on it i said I, that's just one less deer i gotta worry about yeah it's, uh, that's the situation we're in <laughs> once they're dead you're I like all right i can focus on other stuff i ain't got this thing in the back of my head burning a hole in that pocket but um i wanted to have you on like you had said you run your construction business you don't have a lot of time in the october um you are a rut hunter you're hunting pa and multiple states so what are you doing in october um, to prepare yourself for that time that you do have to hunt in, in November? Well, I think the biggest thing, uh, like even like your guys are talking about now, in August into September, let's back up to maybe there um, to where we're at. I'll try to get cameras out in the summertime, just maybe in a spot where I think uh, I might catch deer in the summer, um, feed and browse, whatever, and food. And then I'd like to get get those cameras and maybe do a little shift right about, you know, mid-August to kind of 
like you guys said, prepare for maybe leave them cameras till you get in there and hunt in, in October. But the reason I kind of do it maybe that time, mid-August, is I kind of feel like if you start putting a lot of time in the woods in September, as you get closer to the season, I feel like the deer live by association to where they shed that velvet and the daylight's getting shorter and they're associating that with maybe hunting season and humans being in the woods. I don't want to get in there too much in September. Not saying I won't, but I'll just be a little more cautious. But, you know, so um, get some cameras out in August and let them soak through, you know, September when deer, I feel they get them hard horns and it's like, um, you know, they want to go out and visit different areas and see who's around and show off what they got this year. And that's, that's how I see these deer living. And so you'll get deer moving to different areas and catch some different deer, but also preparing for like the fall where they might be packing on some uh, pounds, uh, whatever they're feeding on and then um, preparing for the rut scrapes and that. So kind of, I'm looking, you always want to be one step ahead of them. Always look forward. So August, like you guys said, you guys are putting cameras in it. And that's another thing you guys mentioned is what right now it might look like shit. You know, this is a terrible spot. And then you go back to maybe shed season and you mark that spot. There's a big scrape here, some rubs and, you know, you get into the summertime. If you don't have that spot marked, then it, like you said, you got to, this looks terrible. But then as the season progresses, it'll, it'll be better. But, yeah, I try to get my cameras um, moved around August into September. And even through so the last seven, eight years through um, since I got an excavation business, I um takes a lot of my time, like September and October, because I'm trying to get stuff done because, you know, it's, it's kind of a – and that's kind of why I do that business anyways. It's more productive in the summer, and I have winter off to chase my deer. You know, so, but, um, yeah, I get kind of busy in October and, um, I don't get to hunt as much. And so I'm still kind of scouting, checking cameras. Um, I'd like to do more October hunting, um, because I feel like now that a lot of guys are hunting public ground, um, they're, they are focusing on that November, that rut where these deer are still don't have as much pressure in October and, and they're just kind of. Um, you can maybe, you know, and they're fattening up for, for the winter. They're putting food um, pounds on and, you know, preparing. They're not into rut yet, so they're kind of preparing. So scrape hunting might be good. I'd like to get, you know, into more of that to where you get into, into November. To, uh, that drops off into like the peak of the rut. And that is more just chasing and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I definitely um, get my cameras out and I keep checking them. And I don't, until I get enough so you got to find like these deer live with these mature deer on this public ground or just mature deer in general live with a lot of the odds in their favor they don't take a lot of chances so you got to get an angle on these animals and so i keep kind of following them maybe it's whether it's an individual mature deer or i got a few of them on the line that i want to follow and some are and they're all individually different some of them are easier to kill maybe follow um, whether it's their age, you're talking maybe a three, two to three, three, four year old deer might be, I've followed deer that were real sporadic and wasn't real settled into where they want to live as a mature animal, you know, and then some, you get to the five, six, eight year old to where they're kind of settled in to where they know things work for them and, and um, everything's in their favor. But I get off track easy. Cause I start talking whitetails. I'll start, I'll be like, talking one thing and then i just go this way and i start doing into the dust and i'm like hey what were you talking so bear with me like, oh no, yeah oh it's like i don't even know what we were talking about but so much shit jumps in my yeah. head all the places i heard in the information it's like this is good to tell you know this is good yeah. for people to hear but but anyways yeah so the mature deer and they're individually different and some of them um nomadic tend to be nomadic and, and some of them are home bodies just like humans and, and sometimes you want to take a pick on which animal you want to hunt. It might not, like, I want the biggest rack buck out there, and that's just me, but he might not be the easiest one to kill because how he, how, what his lifestyle might be, you know. Um, just like people in general, if you were hunting a human, you know, some people travel for work, and they, they're salespeople, and they go to different houses all over the tri-state area or wherever you might live, and then some people go um, to their job and back every day. Which one's going to be easier to keen in on, you know, how they yeah. live their life? So there is some association. Um, I'd like to give analogies when I talk about deer for people to understand how I see it. And I can relate to maybe a human doing the same thing. But, yeah, trying to find uh, 
going back to getting the odds in your favor. You got to have something. You got to get an angle on that deer. You know, you got to. Um, I don't ever hope to kill a deer. I don't live my life on hopes, you know, or white tail hunting. I want to know what's going on, and and in that in that in their area where they live, I want to know. I want to know just like them animals how they live. They know what's going on. They know where the hunting pressures. They know where the foods are. They know where the does are. Um, I'm the type of hunter that it's uh, it's like um, I want to know what's going on in my area and not leave it up to a hope. I when I was younger, I used to like read a, some sign and, and think, oh man, I hope this deer comes through. And I I've learned a lot. I got a lot of experience, and to me, experience is that you've done it wrong enough to you know what to do right. So I've sat in the wrong spots, hoping on that deer to come endless hours that I wasted hoping. But now I kind of tend to put more time into scouting and really, because when I was younger and we'd go out of state and I would hunt and I would, we, me and my buddies would kind of sneak and not want to put a lot of um, pressure on the deer and, and find a spot. It's good. Let's get up in a tree and hunt there for three, four days. And then, you get kind of burned out and you don't see much. And then you get down, you walk around and you, um, you pick up a, a spot, maybe 200 yards away. It's way better, you know? So always know what's going on and whether it's hunting or scouting. And, and I kind of look at it like, um, a good analogy that I usually use is like a, a prosecution lawyer. Like when he goes to court before he goes to court, he knows all he can about his case. He doesn't go in hoping to win. Man, I hope I win. It's like, man, I know everything I could possibly know. Because with these animals, when you're hunting them, a mature deer, you don't have a lot of chances to be going in and hunting them. If you you get that one chance, you can get after them, and that's your usually your best best time, you know. But know all you can before you make that move to go in and make that kill, you know. So, in October with my um, my business, I'm kind of busy, so. Lately, the last six, eight years, I've been still doing my scouting, kind of preparing for the rut, maybe checking. I would like to hunt that time of year, but I'm just not ready. I mean, my um, my gear's not ready. I'm just not – I got so much going on. I'm such a busy person that it's just like I'm not ready. You know, if I didn't work so much in October, I'll back it up and be ready and, you know, maybe back everything up a little bit. But so usually um, putting the cameras out and just checking them periodically. And I do get some daylight pictures and this and that. And, but also, but pre- like you want to talk about, you said the rut preparing for, you know, the end of October, November, when I do usually take my time off. And then most people do, I think, because when you travel to different states, that's your best chances of seeing an animal, you know, um, and for like an all day hunt. I mean, most of the time you're not going to, travel to a different state and, and hunt all day, you know, um, in a tree in, you know, October early, you know, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then the weather's warm and a lot of places I go, you know, on public land, it's a heck of a hike. And, 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 you know, sometimes you want to hunt like in October morning, evening, and it's just too much. It's like, you want to get to that spot. That's why I kind of stick with November and I got the time. It just kind of all works out easier for me. Not that I wouldn't want to hunt October, but you can kind of get in there and just set up for an all day and, and I try to keep, you know, still, I'm always scouting, you know, my motto is scout more, hunt less, you know, then when you know you're in the right spot or the time is right, you get in a tree. But, um, so like through October, um, checking scrapes, putting, you know, getting cameras on scrapes, getting close to doe bedding areas. Um, and then I always like to see, I like to get daylight pictures of animals because to me, that is telling me that they're on a hoof. They need to be moved. We're hunting at daytime. That's when we need to see these animals. So, you know, sometimes um, you don't want to get close to their bedding, and you can use a nighttime picture to kind of judge. But when I get them 2 a.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., I just throw them away. It's like it's inventory the deer lives, but that don't mean nothing to me. I mean, I've seen deer travel a mile at night after dark before mm-hmm. daylight to where they need to be. But, um, so yeah, try to get a, I try to focus on getting some daytime activity to to know that these animals are comfortable and they're going to move through this area, you know? And so the rut can be crazy. 
and that's another reason I want to like start hunting October because some of these, you know, when you get into the upper end of these mature deer, I've seen a lot of, I've followed enough deer and hunted them to where they'll, they'll still be nocturnal in through first 10 days, of October getting up like right before dark. I've seen it many a times, you know, so that makes things tough. Um, and especially with their home range shrinking. But um, so I tend to grab it. I kind of want to learn the area like the deer themselves, know where the does are, know where the food is. And some areas are gradual, don't have a lot of topo. Um, and it's not so much, you know, funnels. Um, just kind of get in around. They're going to go visit these does um, and they know where they live. Um, maybe meet them at a scrape, um, but just kind of they're going to be sad in I find some of these mature bucks don't always associate with um, the rest of the herd. As I say, that's like a different species, you know, but they are in close a lot of the times during a rut, you know, they're satellite and animals that those, um, when, like I said, some areas that I've hunted have a lot of po big high population to where the first doe and heat, um, you might see five bucks chasing her and them, some of them mature deer don't even want to be involved with that. They're like, I'm not dealing with that BS, you know, so there's a lot goes into it. Um, like I said, I start talking one way and I just, a lot floods my brain and I start, but I'm hoping like what I say is good, valuable info that someone can pick out and be like, Hey, this happened here. And, 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 and so, but there's a lot of, and, and I do sometimes talk to people and do podcasts and, and I catch myself contradicting myself, but it happens because it, I look at it like a balance scale where you put the weight on the one side to make the scale fall and then this situation you do that but at another situation to make that other you got to do the 180 you got to do a complete opposite yeah so you'll hear so i always talk tell people i don't want to tell you how to this is how you do this this is how you do that i don't want you to get trapped in a tunnel vision but i want you to use what i could give you as another tool in your toolbox and i use that analogy a lot where i tell people is hey when i was younger i had a little toolbox a couple wrenches screwdrivers and now i got a whole service truck of tools crane whatever you need but that's how i look at my knowledge of the whitetail i had a little bit and i pick a little bit from each deer that i follow or if i listen to someone or like you said putting a post up of a deer or a story that someone had i try to stay away from the this is how do you hunt a scrape and people say about hunting a scrape this way and um just in general, I'm just throwing stuff out there. And, you know, some deer I've seen, even in the summer, I've got some mature deer that don't even visit. I, I We're allowed around mineral licks in PA um, for the deer. And I've seen mature deer don't even associate with some of these mineral licks. They'll just walk by them. So I put a camera to catch him. Or like even scrapes, I've seen some mature deer, not even. A, I've seen some mature deer in areas where the population is a lot younger and they're yearling and two-year-old stage. Um maybe some mature does that they don't even associate they feel like they are other and they don't even associate with, but they just kind of like roam through there as a satellite. Don't even, I've seen them not even rub and scrape. You wouldn't even, I've seen some big deer on land that you don't even know existed, you know? Yeah. We've seen but, that. Um, we've, we have a lot of ground mm -hmm. where if I took you into it, You'd be like, man, there's no buck sign in here at all. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, yeah. wait wait till November, man. Yeah. Wait till we pull these cams. You're going to be astonished what's in here. There's no there's no sign at all anywhere. You're right. No rubs, no ground scrapes, no nothing. There's a lot of stuff I want to pull out real quick. One thing I think it's really good to mention, we had mentioned it earlier, but, you know, you want to hang a cam for October, November, and you want to do it now because you don't want to be in there. That's something that we're trying this year. We're running a lot more mobile cams. One, because we're busy like everybody else. We've we got kids. We're coaching flag football. We're working. Got a lot of stuff mm -hmm. going on right now, and we're like, where do we want intel that we need it? We feel like we need it the most. Let's run a mobile there, and then we'll get the intel from the regular cams when, when we can. So yeah. we got those cams hung out for October right now, and those spots do not look good at all, like you were saying. If a guy walked in there, it is thick, nasty. There's no certain trail. Um, but we had five shooter bucks there in daylight last year when we there was a time period where we can't hunt, could, couldn't hunt there, and this year we can hunt there. There's five shooter bucks in there in daylight, and we have that intel now. And 
if we would have went in there during the summer right now and scouted that, we'd turn around and walked out. We'd have been like, okay, there's literally <laughs> nothing here. Cause even the old sign right now, those trees have grown back and you could just barely see that stuff right now. So those guys that are out there scouting right now, if you've seen something in the past in an area and you get in there and you're thinking, man, maybe I should put a cam here. Maybe that was just a fluke or something. If they were there, there was a reason they were there, and that sign's going to kick back up again in that area. So like us, we just run the cams, and we, we hung them knowing that for um, two months, there's probably going to be nothing there. But when that velvet mm-hmm. sheds, there's going to be a buck in that bed. It's just too convenient yep. of a spot. There's going to be bucks using that area to bed, and we know that because we, we figured it out the last two years. Um, so I thought that was good to mention. And then another thing, like you said, if, if – uh, on, you said on the scrapes, we've seen that too, where some deer are 100% in the scrapes, and it seems like it's per farm too or per area. Like some areas, there's like I think of like Grant and Garrett's farm, mm-hmm. all the time killing on scrapes, all the time killing rattling, all the time killing on decoys. You just have to learn yeah. your deer. Some deer, like how many pictures do we have a Magnum on a scrape? One. Yeah. How many scrapes we have out pictures out there? You know, we've had them on one one picture of a scrape in three years. You know, like the deer yeah. just didn't put sign in that area a lot. He wasn't he didn't like to. He he might have signed somewhere else, but not not in that area really. And other than chaos on the stealth cam up in the corner pinch. Yeah. He's never been on like he's never been nose down in the no, scrape on the he's scrape. Never hit the he scrape. just is he's always just strolling by. through. And like you were saying, John, is that buck age class there is younger we're mm-hmm. getting it up here to be more two and three year olds this year finally and um they're always out there sparring i've got more trail cam pictures and videos of bucks fighting at that scrape tree than i have anywhere else that i've ever had a cam and we got a five and a half year old six and a half year old deer out there now and he's just kind of hanging out off to the side not yeah. really doing yeah. anything just kind of enjoying the show and it's not like he sees them fighting and he's like, all right, I'm going to get in here, rough up the scrape and, you know, let everybody know that I'm the big dog. He's yeah, just yeah. kind of hanging out, chilling. And that's just kind of his personality. Yeah, I he's think. always he just, just kind of walking. He's like you said, he hit that one scrape on the north yeah. one time. And, Other than that, and that was like we we had just made that mock scrape and it was mm-hmm. fresh. Right. And he probably just went over there and was like, oh, I'll, I'll rough this up. But then you got like Bud Heavy, who is the opposite. He was kind of in there. You know, and it's weird. You can kind of tell, like, the frame of a deer. Is this deer going to be kind of a loner, <laughs> or is he going to be, like, a rough a rough and rowdy? Um, it's kind of put – because, you know, Bud Heavy, he was – you could tell that deer was like a brute. He was in yeah. the shit. He was bumping deer away from does. And then, yeah. like you said, you got a buck like chaos. So, like you said, so people say, hunt the scrapes. You're, you know, if you got a scrape in the area, that buck might come to it, and he's going to be frequenting that. That deer might not hit that scrape at all. That might be, like you said, a two and – you know, year year old, two year old, because I got more pictures of two year olds on scrapes this <laughs> summer than I have ever had in my whole entire life. This summer, the scrapes on that farm have been insane. You got to see all the two year olds that I don't send you. Crazy every day, two year olds like in the branches, you know, pawing at the ground already. Like it's it's insane. And I and I think that goes back to what John said is knowing what is going on in the timber out there. Like you yeah. have to know. And it's hard. I don't know how big the public land is that you're hunting, John, but uh, it's hard if you don't have the inventory of cameras to get out there or, in your case as well, John, um, not enough time in October to be out there when they are hitting the scrapes to to get that information. So it can take a while to get it figured out, especially if you're on a new piece or a bigger piece, to figure it out. But with the right time and effort, you can get a feel for it. And the last thing that I want to state that I really liked that you said was you got to know everything about that ground. And we're, I'm a sucker for that. Like you got to know what's 150 yards or 200 yards. Cause you could be like, ah, man, here's this sign. Here's this pinch. They might work this pinch coming this way, or they might be pinching this way and getting in my wind. I can't hunt this on a Northwest. I need a straight West. You can put together so much more pieces, just like we found all that hot sign. And we're like, okay, we're going to hunt. At the, at the South Public, we're going to hunt on the East Ridge or the West Ridge. We get up there, there's a stand. Yeah. If we wouldn't have went another 150 yards, we'd mm-hmm. have no idea that there's a camera and a stand there. We would have been hunting back and then potentially, like you said, 
had a guy come in on us because we didn't know that it was there. So knowing your ground, not you know you don't have to be one hundred percent, but knowing a good if you're gonna hunt that area, if you pick this hundred acre block that you're really gonna target, really know that hundred acre block. Scout that thing. Scout it in the winter. Scout it in the summer. Scout it during hunting season, and understand what you got going on. And then, like you said, take those little pieces from all your years, like you were saying, yeah. and then combine it where you got this giant toolbox on this hundred acre spot. And you're like, okay, well this buck two years ago did this work in this ridge. There's a pretty good chance that this deer is going to do that. I'm going to give that a shot. So I think that's a tech, a tip that a lot of people, they, like you said, they go in, they find the sign. Okay. I'm on the hot sign. I'm setting up, but they have no idea what's, 200 yards or 100 yards and then if you're out of state you go in there you like you said you hunt that spot for three days then you've got a five-day trip through your days are blown and then the fifth day Mm. you're on the best sign you've had and you're like shit i should have been here the whole time so that was yeah and going back to the scrape that deer that bow shot last year uh, there was a big community community scrape on a point and i put a cell cam and uh run it and November, I put my buddy in there, and he hit a deer. Um, we never found it. It took actually, he was zeroed in on it, but it took a step and um, hit it in a liver, or maybe a little further back. We never found that deer. But anyways, the deer that Bo got was living right there in the area. I run that camera on that community scrape, probably put it out there early October. Or mid-October, I think I went there for one time mid-October and found this big community scrape. I said, oh, man, I'll get that buck here. And my, you know, I had him a couple of times, once or twice, night, nighttime. That was it. And it wasn't like he stayed there and put all kind of scent down. Um, then my buddy went in there in November and hit that deer. And fast forward four weeks into December, and I'm like, I called my buddy Greg. I said, Greg, did you hit that big deer? Them big long brows? No, it wasn't. I said it was like 150, 160. He's like, oh, I don't think so. I said because I haven't got him on camera. I know he lives right there. So yeah, fast forward four weeks and we go in there and push it. And I mean, he shoots the deer. It must have been more. It hadn't have been more than 250, 200 yards from that scrape when we bumped it. So that tells you right there he lives um, right there, and he doesn't even want yeah. to mess with that. Never went to that scrape. No, We're but, learning that more yeah. and more. There's like a some of these deer have a solid line that unless they're on a doe or get bumped, they're just not comfortable crossing. They just don't know what's up there. Or they don't like what's up there. So they're just like, all right, this is my comfort zone line. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we've we've seen that where we're like, okay, we're getting a few pictures over here of him. And then you move, you know, like we get no daylight pictures of him on top, but in the hot corner, daylight picture. You're mm-hmm. like, what? That's 150 yards away. Like we've never had a daylight picture of him three years, 150 yards away, running five cams in that circle area. You know, you're like, he's got, you got to have a daylight pit. And then 150 yards away, daylight picture. So like, like I said, it's just a hard line. I think that hard line you talk about, I always talk about is like a seam. Find that seam. Like these deer run that seam, what's comfortable. And it's doesn't have to be a trail. doesn't have to be, just got to feel right to them. And I learned enough about these deer that I get a feeling. I put myself out there and I spend, I don't know how much times in the last 30 years hiking and learning and just, zigzag in the woods and ask myself questions but they kind of feel it and it feels right and whether he was bumped <laughs> he got muted there real yeah. quick <laughs> technical difficulties he'll be coming back in he's working second. on it he's working on it probably got a call yeah i had a call yeah figured yeah, that's <laughs> all right no big deal <laughs> that's normal so stuff get- for us that seam is what I look for, and it's not so much – it's just where nobody maybe – and I've learned it could be where maybe a private borders public, and maybe it's like a little rectangular piece of public going over here to where nobody's going to go there. You just got to – you know, and they're like satellite animals, and they just – they roam, and they don't even, you know, uh, associate with the rest of the population. But And then it's like association, so I think – like maybe in that one area, he's been bumped. He smelled humans there. He's like, oh. and that's it. I'm yeah. not taking another chance. They don't take chances with their life. I like life. that, the seam. You know, know, we're yeah. always on the edge. Yeah. We need to be in the seam. Like right. we can find the edge. 
but we're always and it's you know we're always 150 yards not deep enough <laughs> that's what it is we're always like we're always a 150 200 yards off like we're just right there you know like yeah but like you said it's just time in the woods and and seeing deer do stuff and getting all that trail come data and reading the sign because now i think hunting public it definitely made me a better hunter than hunting private but you go somewhere and like we found that bed on private and you're in the past on the new on the new lease in the past, would you have went to that bed, and if you wouldn't have hunted public, would you have been like, all right, I can access here, but he'll see me? Or would you have been like, okay, this is a buck bedding area. There's I, a buck bedding area. Yeah, here. I would have just, five, yeah. six years, I'd be like, all right, there's a pretty good-sized buck probably Yeah, there's rubs here. here, he's bedding here. But now, since you've been out there and you're you're thinking, okay, we're right when we were, both, we were both like, well, we can't even access this tree stand if there is something in here. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have to be like a morning a morning spot. Like if you go in there in the evening, you're going to bump that deer out. So, you know, hunting hunting that public and reading, having to read new sign, because I feel like on the private, it's consistent sign. There's a scrape mm-hmm. here. There's a scrape over here every year. You run a cam on it, the deer on it. But public is always changing. Like you said, in November, you get that pressure, and they could push deer. We had guys setting up 150 yards from us last year. That never had happened to us the years before. Um, you know, we got more guys coming down on the bottom. Um, so you got to you gotta move and find new areas. And then with private, you're just limit, limited in a box of you're only going to see deer do so much stuff when you go on a big piece of public and you're hunting you know how many different spots did we hunt last year i I don't even know yeah 50 like i mean you're just you're all over the place so you're watching deer do different stuff Mm -hmm. and you get to learn so much more than in that box you know and other than just the sheer size of that bed like we asked ourselves like okay like why is this deer bedding here yeah it's on a little flat and it's got two drops offs on on either side he's got two good exit routes it's right down from a little hay field right south of a bean field and um he's got really good cover and he can see yeah and he's going to be able to smell what's yep. behind him so i and mean then, it's got it's got everything that yeah and it, then it like, all just the like he was saying if we didn't go and circle around and then come back in on the back side of that bed we would never would have found that other giant bed you know on just right out there on the edge of that hay field mm-hmm. that summertime bed where we're like oh this is a monster bed like there's something been in here recent and that's just like you said just we got a new lease and we decided that we we're going to walk literally every inch of that thing Right now, when we feel like we're not bumping deer, and hell, we jumped hella deer out of there. Yeah, eight, eight deer. Eight deer, two two shooter bucks. So I was like, that's a pretty good day, you know. And and uh, but we we know now we don't have to do that. We know the ground, but we do need to walk it in season. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, get that get that sign in season. So yeah, and that's when your even postseason comes in and get like you said, see so you, you know December January, but then. I think a big thing is um, accessing, like, I know just a quick story here. Um, my guy I know was getting a cell cam picture of a 160-inch deer and public ground, and it was like a hollow that where the road went up along the creek, and he was hunting the left side and the right side you weren't allowed to hunt. So he was determined to hunt that scrape in the right wind or whatever and get that deer. So um, he went down there in November, and he was – I don't know if he got daylight pitch. I don't know what happened, but he got in there and he would hunt that deer in November on that scrape. And he wore himself out for days, park, go up there and hunt. And um, I think the fifth day, he's like, I got to move. Then he goes somewhere else. And then that deer's on that scrape in the daylight. He's like, man, you got to help me find this deer. I'm like, Hey, you're, he's laying on that other hillside. It was kind of a steep hollow. You know, I said, he, here's you park your vehicle and walk up in there. You think he's going to go over there? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. You know what I mean? It's like, and I see that a lot where deer, I'm like, whoa, I could, sometimes the deer do hang out near the road, especially around the morning, you know, because they want to know what's going on. Just like I said, I keep talking about knowing they want to know what's going on. And you get a guy's drive up the road, slam the door, get out. And he's like, oh, you know, they'll just lay down all day, won't move. It just you know what I mean, but um, yeah, I've heard multiple accident. people say that you know the deer are seeing me on the way in, and then they backdoor them, and that's what makes you know that's what makes it come together. So, 
you got to see, like you said, you got to know. I like I like that term, you know, don't guess. Because I feel like a lot of our sets are, are we might be in the right area. This It's good. You're kind of hoping. Yeah, but yeah. we're kind of hoping and poking, you know. And we're not, we're not like, okay, we know that that's what kind of our style this year is going to be. We're just going where we know there's been deer in the past and we've seen good stuff in the past. We're not, well, I, I called it being cute. We're not trying to be cute. Like, yeah. oh, what if this happens and then this happens? And, you know, we're just going, this is it. This We know that we got a good chance in here instead of mm-hmm. let's hope over here that something happens. And I will say the last two weeks we did start off really good having hunts of really high odds. Yeah. Like yeah. we were going in literally. Yeah, the first two weeks of the season incredible. last year, I thought we were smashing early. Every Every hunt we went in, we were slow strategic hanging perfect everything was going good the weather was october was extremely cold last year it's beautiful mm-hmm. you know and every hunt we went into like all right this is gonna be it. and then we got that hot weather stretch and we were like shit we're not gonna see anything anyway so we kind of lost our mojo and it wasn't we didn't want to go in the good shit because it was hot but that's you got to go in there in november you know mm-hmm. so live and learn man you got to but like you said, just you, you know, talking and rambling on all about that whitetail stuff. Stuff's clicking in my head of all the stuff that I'm relating to. Just like you said, it's good intel that anybody can use. And that's that's why we record this podcast is if one thing pops out and that guy's like, oh, shit, maybe I should maybe I should try this. Maybe I should try to get in the scene. Yeah, maybe I should try <laughs> to get in the scene. Yeah, find that scene. And that's why I can relate to it. And don't wear yourself out. Like you said, uh, I've learned in the past that, you know, um, I would hunt these different states. I'd travel to one state and the next state, um, and I would force myself to hunt, whether I was there seven days every day, or even now, now, because you, you got to walk that fine line to kill that mature animal. You know, you got to give his uh, give him what he needs to to move, what his wind or maybe cover or something. Or, um, but if you're um, yeah, give him his odds, but find that angle on him. But when you're getting into your spots, like I said, the access or just hunting in general, you're walking that fine line. So don't, you got to, sometimes I'll get to my stand and, and I feel like most of the time, whether it's before daylight evening, I get to the stand, I'm like, I made it because it's like, I'm in close. I'm in tight on him. I mean, yeah. cause that's where he lives. That's where he feels comfortable you know, there are them funnels or whatever you're talking about, rut maybe that you might catch them. But in general, these mature deer are pretty sly and they don't, they're not crazy, but um, you can mess it up going in and, and they know their area and they know what's there. And, if, you know, if you're putting your stand up, make a little noise or, or just the wind goes the wrong way. Or and sometimes I don't like getting in there. There's times where I like, there's different situations, but I like going in maybe just after day, like so I could see, I jump him or if he's here in, in different situations at other times I want to maybe get in before daylight and wait him but um don't wear yourself out because you're going to make a mistake and that mistake is what's going to cost you you know like if you got the five days six days to hunt scout the three days or say you're really keen on one spot and you hunt it three or four days and and you're getting up at 4 a.m and you're doing this it's taxing on you you know mentally physically to where um you're going to you could just happen to something just a hair and it's just going to screw you up, you know? And I've done that. I've experienced that to where I'm like, um, I ain't trying to be no tough guy. I'm like, Hey, I'm just taking the day off. I'm just taking the whole day off. I've been hunting seven days straight, you know, drink a couple beers, you know, get up, eat breakfast, sleep in. And then it's kind of like changes your mind frame to it's like kind of get mad. got mad at myself. I'm like, what are you doing? You're a hunter. You ain't tough. You're out, you're sitting here eating breakfast and everybody's out. You know, it's like, but, but then it kind of like recharges your batteries and gets you back after them. But when you're going after them animals, that's why I say, no, all you can don't hope for it and, and get in there. And you, a lot of times you, you know, if you know the area well enough, you're going to walk in that fine line where that deer, you're going to give him the odds he needs to survive, but you still got to find that angle on him, you know? So, and that's another reason I have several spots, maybe a, one animal I'm hunting or several deer in general to where you might just need a change of scenery or or you might mess something up here and and i I did and it don't bother me like if i go into a public 
piece of ground and I see guys, one buddy of mine, he just gets so mad and there's a guy parked in a spot, like, or where he's hunting. He, he, I'm, I'm like, dude, it's public ground. He's allowed to be there. I'm like, it don't bother me because I guarantee I know more than this area than that guy does. And I guarantee that animal probably knows he's there. There's few guys out there that are being successful in doing this. And they're the ones that do it differently and, and that. But, um, and the deer themselves find them seams and travel in them safe areas, corridors or whatever you might call it, that nobody goes, nobody bumps them. And, and I've learned that years ago uh, where I grew up. Um, and as they, where I grew up, as they built more houses, industrial, like the land we hunted got smaller. And we thought we knew the land. I'm talking about like a 200 acre piece of land that uh, now it's all houses. But um, I remember we thought we knew the area, like we put drives on, we hunted it in um, here. I bumped a deer um, in a rain and um, I followed him just from him when he ran kicking up the leaves and he run down to this little triangle piece of land in between two roads and maybe an acre or two. And it was kind of like a hump. So the roads were like down low and there was like a hump of ground. And I was like inward, like walking toward that hump in that road. And there was like an old railroad bed that before that hump, it was like a 40 foot straight down drop off. And so the deer ran to that edge and um, I followed his tracks. He ran down to the railroad bed and up that hump. I'm looking across that railroad bed, that hump's over there hundred yards. And I was just like, oh, he went across the road. And then you know, I went like years later, uh, when they took the 200 acres out and built houses a couple years later, that was like a spot that like, he knew that I wasn't going to cross that ditch, that uh, railroad bed to get over there. It was like, that was there for, that was there, that was that little seam or little pocket, I would call it, or, um, you know, like a little nook, like a nook and crannies, like a little nook was always there. And he probably didn't even cross the road. He just sat over there, some briars. And I'm like, man, that little one acre, two acre, whatever it was. I was like, nobody ever goes over there. So, and, and we thought we knew the area so good. So now I look at areas and I find, try to find there's that one spot that they're using that nobody really, it's a dumb spot, whether it's like that steep hill. I'm like, I'm not going down there. He's just going to run across the road. But that was his last line of fence was going across the road. He probably didn't. That was it. And just, you could stand, look across, and then dive across the road. But it was like, I thought I knew the area so well that I grew up hunting there. Oh, I know, you know. And then when they started tearing the woods down, then these little nooks would pop up because that was what was left where they didn't build houses. Like, oh, and I, so I, I was into hunting suburb. You know, I used to hunt people's damn near backyards. I did that. But I like getting out in the, the bigger, bigger land, you know, the public ground. But I keep that in the back of my head that there is these little nooks out there that these deer are hanging out or gravitating to that, uh, you know, you think, you know, the area, but how well do you know it? Like they live there day and night. So, um, I try to find that on these public ground, you know, um, just like a lot of people spot. we, we talked to say, uh, like deer, big deer, like bass fishing, you know, yeah. temp, all hundred percent of the fish are in 10% of the water. It's just like the big deer, you know, you mm. know, hundred percent of the big deer and ten percent of the woods. They're not they're not covering a lot of the woods, especially in daylight. So like you said, you find that yeah, little yeah, crease, that little crevice, yeah. that seam. Mm -hmm. I like the seam. Almost yeah. we're gonna start using that. We gotta yeah. get in the seam. Yeah. We've been we gotta yeah. get in the zones, what we always say. <laughs> yeah. We gotta get in the zone, but I like the seam. Gotta get in the But you're exactly right there. Yeah. The daytime is when where they're gonna be spending their time or when they travel, we're gonna travel in this seam. And you can eliminate and I'm just like thinking of you know I start talking, there's so many situations I've been in and, you know, that things, you use a different tool, you know, one situation, you got a 12 millimeter wrench for this bolt and, and it's, Hey, how come I used a 14 millimeter there? It's a different bolt. I got to use a different wrench, but yeah. I just think when people ask me questions. I got so many situations. I just kind of reflect on things that happen to me that say, make me find, you know, there are these spots if they're living, they're doing, they're, they're in that nook or in that scene where they're doing the same thing religiously. If they've been, and some of these deer get so um, confident that they'll actually slip up because they're so cool. They know it. They got these hunters pegged. They know what's happening. They're like, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're too good 
for you know what I mean? And I, I find a lot are kind of that way to where it's too easy for them. Yeah, they're you know so I mean? comfortable it's, not, you know, not getting hunted in that area that they're just chill. They're thinking, okay, this is my, this is my spot. Yeah, never seen I anybody these, in here, you know, and yep. never smelled I got anybody. Out, they all, you know, and there's times that I've I've talked in other podcasts where sometimes I'd go to a piece of public land um, that maybe I didn't have a lot of cameras or, you know, and I get into November and I mean, I'll cover, I'll just kind of damn near run through the woods, walk fast and take mental notes you know i'm talking like november 12 14th guy's been pounding it maybe after a rain i use all everything use everything you can if you get to an area where you're seeing deer shit deer tracks well apparently nobody's been hunting here the last two weeks or then i get a spot where i see a guy's been walking to the same tree and hunting there and you got to go a couple hundred yards and you can really learn it's crazy stuff you can see those trails yeah. where people are going to their stand yeah. repeatedly you're like you're like, man, this isn't a deer trail. Like, you can see, okay, this guy cuts off, he takes a right, and then you're like, and the markers. I love the markers, dude. Um, God. Yeah. If, if you got a marker out there, I know you kind of get to your stuff in the dark, but you were literally telescoping, okay, there's a dude hunting over here. Like, if it's a good spot, I guess, you know, but you're literally, like, letting people know where you're hunting at. Hey, like, yeah, some of them guys got markers every two feet, you know, yeah. and me, I tried it. I try to intimately know the woods to where I'm like, I don't even need markers. I'll yeah. walk through the dark headlamp. That's and what just I do. See yeah. how good I am. Yeah. And here I did it last year. I went up this big hollow. It went a mile. I went all the way up here and I'm like, I don't even, you know, I'm just going to follow this hollow all the way up. It was rugged, steep, rocky. It was real tough terrain. And, um, I said, I know my, you know, my stand, I'm going to hunt at the head and we are right where Peter's out. I'm getting up in a tree. So I really didn't, I just needed to kind of follow the hollow and, well, here it was. I was kind of before I jumped in a hole. I was going up the left side of the like the hollow, but I guess before I jumped in, it, it wide. And I'm talking like mountainous, big country. Oh, shit. You know, <laughs> it wide. So I got in one ditch. I got down in that hollow in that crevice in that, that ditch. And here I was going up the left side. I wasn't going up the main one through my stand. And, and, and I, I was going up before daylight and coming out of dark. And I was going up that one hollow, and, and like I said, I jumped in the raw, it wide off. So I was on the left side, and I jumped in, and I was in the wide. So I went up this hollow, and I'm like, you know, and you do the same little trail for a couple of days. You kind of recognize, you see where you slipped, and I'm like, I was getting there. I'm like, something don't look right here. I'm, <laughs> there I don't some... remember this. And I got to the top, and I looked at my, I was looking at my, uh, my. Uh, then I pulled out my phone. I looked at my pen. I'm like, oh man, I had a 45 minute hike, and I'm. I'm a half a mile from where I want to be. And I got to walk through like the deer were coming from. I was to the West and it was a, I, I needed to be the East. And I said, I walked through, I just walked the Ridge. Just like, <laughs> man, all, like it took me like, you know, I was sweating and yeah. I was just like, oh, man, you know, but, yeah. Like you said, the tax and that, I just, I try, I usually pull them out. I don't even want to see that stuff. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. But I could think of a couple that the South public land, man, it's just, you can just there's must be so many guys that hunt the same spot over and over and over you can just oh, see yeah. the trails and you're like this is not a deer trail this sucker's no. wide they've been cutting branches back <laughs> nice as hell to walk down yeah it, and it. then you can tell and the the deciding factor there is one hill like people say <laughs> one hill if you make it up that one hill you've literally lost 90 percent of the people on that piece yeah. that's not that's not the other piece though no yeah. the close public there those guys are psycho on there the people that hunt that are they're they're, in, they're crazy for whitetails the people that are hunting back where we are and there's a lot yeah. of people that are going back there and but the other public complete opposite one hill gone they see the power line cut. They're like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna stop right here. <laughs> this looks good to me." <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, I'm 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 a thousand yards away from this thing. This thing is a red sign for no daylight deer activity anywhere." But yeah, that's. And right. I use that to my advantage. I use that to my advantage when I. That's why I like being around. The pressure don't bother me. I'm like, okay, that'll that'll um, cinch them down. Yeah. To where I, I'll, I'll know where where to start looking you know like you guys said. you just got to figure out like you said that little crevice that little spot a lot of good one-liners in here you know find that crevice no and don't hope you know and uh yeah and find that seam mm-hmm. we need to be deep in that seam, shoulder deep in that <laughs> <laughs> i want to be doggy paddling in there keeping my head above water i'm so in the seam 
<laughs> but hey, man, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Some great, some great whitetail content. I know that our listeners got some value from it, so we appreciate it, man. Yeah, and if you guys want to, I, I tell people to shoot me a message uh, at Johnny Stewart or the Johnny Stewart on Instagram. You know, I'm trying to help people out the best I can. And I want to mention this year, I'm going to work with um, my buddy Bill. He's creating. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about Spartan Forge. Yeah, we've had um, Bill on. Yeah, so I'm super oh, yeah, excited. Yeah, I'm super oh, excited. Right. I, did. I didn't get to listen to that. Yeah, my I'm man, a, Bill. So yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. I'm anxious to work with him, and that's going to help me. I think just decide when to hunt you know you yeah. can do your scouting there you know and, and and he's just i call him the deer scientist the mad yeah. scientist yeah yeah anybody that hasn't checked out spartan forge check that out and the new stuff yeah. that he's got coming out dude i'm that's gonna change the game yeah. i know people say a lot of change the game <laughs> but that is legit gonna change the game for new hunters that don't understand bedding and where deer might be and you know Food. what deer might be feeding on stuff like that that's gonna literally change change the game for yeah. what, what people can do yeah. so so yeah i'm excited to yeah. check that out and work with him there so all right guys really enjoy this episode talking to johnny like i said guys super knowledgeable hunting pretty much all public land still getting it done year after year different states going to iowa getting it done on giants hunting pa hunting ohio um, follow this guy on instagram like i said he's always sharing some really good trail cam pics and kind of breaking it down what the deer are doing really enjoy that and he's always on some slammers on the trail camps too they're always giant so i like to see giant deer for sure um and see you know this deer's in daylight and he's talking about why he thinks he's in daylight stuff's pretty cool so um hope you guys enjoyed this episode like always try to do the right thing try to leave a legacy and whitetail legacy is out Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.